Okay, I wanted to do this one as an introduction into my ministry. The purpose was to get new people. So people that had ever even been attending the video series or just had heard of the ministry and uh, coming in and getting to hear this topic differently because there is also Abide, which is a spiritual warfare training. Um, so that is like another level. So the vision behind what I'm trying to do and what I'm trying to uh, teach people and teach the church, the hugest thing is like you guys coming together, Alyssa. Like, if I could just tell, like, I know that women want to, it's like women will come to my stuff and they'll get things and then they feel like they're getting things and then they want their husband like to get it. You know what I mean? And so sometimes that's like a hard thing, but like abide spiritual warfare training for relationships is life changing. In my opinion, to understand the spirit realm when it comes to relationships in your life, it's like a whole nother level. And this topic of what I'm doing today, this is for like you, okay? This is for what's in you, what do you battle with, what are the things that uh, have been hidden that you don't realize are there that could be hindering relationships, you have that stuff, right? Then you go into abide, which is spiritual warfare training. That is to not just what's the stuff that you deal with on the inside, what's going on on the outside? How do we recognize how the enemy is moving around outside of not just our lives, but around us in the way that we live? And then what is going on on the inside of us that we don't walk in authority and identity to know what that is. And so there's things that have to be done in you to walk in the place of victory, right? And so there's a lot of times in people's lives, they got so much stuff on the inside of them that they don't realize that's not who they are. <laughs> and like, you've lived like that your entire life. And yet you've been defined a certain way and you think a certain way. And this is not just for people with trauma. This is like, I can find somebody who has the most sheltered life and they're living out of this little box because of the shelter. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's not just people that have these big things that happen in their life that should be them. I think people used to look at my ministry like a, a recovery program, which I kind of understand because of how I wrote on my website. And it looked like it. I mean, I wrote just addictions and but like, of course, everybody's thinking you got it. It's for all the train wrecks. Then <laughs> the train wrecks there. <laughs> and I don't, that's not true. I think that I just, because I was a train wreck, I was inviting train wrecks to come and meet me and let me tell you about your train wreck. But what I'm realizing is like, actually, everybody's got these things. Just who's open to wanting more? Like, who's open to wanting more of the Spirit of God? I don't need just somebody who's battling with this over there to be sent to me. No. I want to go into an entire church and the whole congregation should be open to just knowing more and having understanding. Um, I, I, I believe the experiences in my story God wants to use so that people don't have to go through what I had to go through. The pain and turmoil that I've gone through my entire life, I know, is the fire behind what I do and the reason I've even gotten understanding in these topics. And I believe he wants me to help save other people from spinning and spinning and spinning and spinning and spinning in order that they don't have to spin for so long because I've spun for you. So take what I say and know that I actually really have experienced these things. There's a reason that I have such a heart and a fire behind what I talk about. Because um, some people, you know, they don't know my story and they're like, what are you, 36-year-old, like, del doing deliverance and stuff? Did you, did you, are you, do you do counseling? And I'm like, no, I have a PhD in a hard knock life. Okay, <laughs> that is where my stuff comes from. I've been through a lot in my life, you know? Hi, you guys are good. Is it where you're not even that late coming in? There's two seats back there and wherever. I mean, you can put them wherever. Hi, Jerry. If you guys want anything in the, in the kitchen, don't feel bad like going. We literally just started. It's totally laid back. That's Jerry and Brittany. <laughs> so I was just giving an introduction. So you aren't you aren't missing a thing. So 
that was the purpose of why I wanted to start this one. I wanted it to be an introduction to people understanding this type of ministry, what it is, why it's needed, why do you need it, why does everybody need it, and, and being open to what it is. I mean, you can seriously, when, when I talk on these things, you can so tell when, some, when people don't, uh, they just don't want to go there. Their arms are crossed, and they got a frowny face, and they don't like me. And you can tell it all over their face is that that's how they're sitting in the room and I can feel the opposition all over them. They just don't want to go to those places that I talk about going to. And the thing is, is like, dude, I am not trying to get somebody to go and search out all your problems to make you feel uncomfortable and to make you grieve and to make you sad. That is not the purpose of any of these topics. The purpose of the topics are to identify anything that is in you that you deal with that comes in the opposition to truth. That's it. That's it. Like, what is truth? What is the truth of God? And I think too many times I've just be taught, this is the truth. This is truth. You've been made a new creation, right? You know, we know Paul said that. You've been made a new creation. And I'm being told that over and over. And I remember sitting in, in school and they were saying, but you've been made a new creation. I'm not a new creation. I still battle. I still have so much pain. And you're telling me that that's who I am. Paul is saying that's who I am. When you actually go back and look at the epistles of how Paul writes, he, there is something, it, how I see the way that he writes to the church, is he is writing truth so that it would hit them. He's telling you, this is who you are. Don't live like the Gentiles. Live this way. Don't live with impurity. Live this way because you have been made a new creation. You have the mind of Christ. You have the spirit of God on you. And so there's times that you're going to hear that. What keeps that from becoming revelation? That's the big question, right? Why, when I hear that being spoken to me, why, when I hear somebody say that's who you are, why, when I read that's who I am, why am I still living in this way? Why am I not living in, you have perfect right standing. There is no condemnation for those of us who are in Christ Jesus, Romans 8. Why do you still battle guilt and shame? Where is the lack of revelation when that's who you are? And that's, I think, was the biggest thing for me when it came to scripture, because being raised in a Reformed church, being raised by a Reformed Baptist pastor, everything was taught very, very, um, you know, strict in that God, he, he was, a, you know, just judgmental. It was more like religious. And I'm not, you know, not trying to dog it. That's just how I was raised by my dad. That's how it was taught to me. And, uh, but that was, did become some weird knowing and revelation to me. Be careful what becomes a revelation to you. <laughs> you know, you can have a knowing of something that actually is not right. And that's interesting because I was like doing, I want to understand the difference between believing and like knowing. Because, and here's where I read some of this. Of this. Believing means you've chosen a truth, but knowing means you are certain about something. There are things that you believe that are not right, okay? There's things that you know because you experience them that create a belief that is off, okay? And I can, and so even like the word revelation, always because I always am going to use it tying into scripture because of, that's how it's used in scripture. It means an unveiling. Original language means something is unveiled so that you can only gain wisdom and revelation from the Spirit of God. If you look at Ephesians, uh, it's Ephesians 1, and it, it's like Ephesians 1, 17. It talks about the eyes of your heart to be enlightened, to, to know the hope of your calling, and he talks about having wisdom and revelation into these things. So there's an ability for us to tap into the Spirit of God that will release a wisdom and revelation and unveiling in your life so that what you believe aligns with his Spirit. And even though there's things that you know, what the belief system came from that aligns with his spirit because that's where wisdom and revelation is going to be found 
Because the mind of Christ doesn't make sense to the human reason. It won't make sense to you. Nothing that actually, the way he sees the mysteries of God, why do you think that a non-Christian will read the Bible and it makes no sense to them? How do you get somebody who has unbelief in a church that carries the spirit of unbelief and wonders why their congregation won't grow? Because they're sitting in there and there's something clouding that from making sense to the heart because it hasn't been unveiled. So did you guys ever experience reading the Bible before you're saved or right after you're saved and it didn't really make sense to you? And then do you notice that over time, sometimes it makes a little bit more sense. Sometimes you get something and it really hits you and other times there's a wall on you and it doesn't hit you. Where does the wall come from? I believe that there's things that we have on the inside of us that keep us from wisdom and revelation. It keeps us from an understanding. I think that's why the ministry of deliverance, the ministry of inner healing, the value of it is not just so that you're not a train wreck <laughs> and not annoying <laughs> and, and a problem in your relationships, right? Causing issues in your relationships because you freak out over rejection or you uh, deal with depression up and down. It's not just that you get delivered from that. It's that you walk in victory so that you release the spirit of God everywhere that you go. Like, we're here to bring Jesus home. So when I look at this, I always looked at it. I was like, man, I'm doing this, this ministry to really help people, you know, get delivered of depression or get set free. What is the thing that they're believing in resistance to the knowledge of Christ? Because the spirit of God is joy. So what is in resistance to him? Because this is what we get. So how do we understand that? Why are we not getting it? And it's not just about that. So it wasn't just about, hey, that this person gets set free. It's about what is the big picture of the church? What is the big picture of what we're being called to today? It is not that we just live our nice little lives, you know? I look at, like, the apostles, you know, the disciples, and you look at the lives that they lived and that, you know, hung upside down, you know, crucified upside down, and the way that they were stoned and martyred and killed and the life that they lived, and they gave up to go after the things of God. And I wonder why the church, why we don't even think that way. What is it that we even sacrifice in our lives today to be willing to go after these things? All that I know is that I would never be willing to have gone after these things unless I had an experience of his power. So I think that sometimes we lack an experience of power. I believe that that's sometimes what's going to keep a Christian from actually wanting to run after God no matter what sacrifice because we lack an experience of power. Because I believe there's a big thing that needs to come in line with the church. It's not just, and I'm not, don't take me as bad. I don't think I like have like this revelation over every church when I say the church. I'm just saying in general because this is my story. Okay, I'm not trying to come from a place of pride or act like this is. That's not what I'm saying. That churches don't have this. Absolutely believe that churches walk in revelation of this stuff. I just think that it could be talked about more. <clears throat> that I see that sometimes we focus too much on head knowledge. We focus too much on the understanding and knowing scripture, and the other over here are only experience. They only want to go in somewhere where they get laid out or where they're experiencing the power of God. So what, what's the disconnect? We need both. We need both. You get too much head knowledge, you're gonna get pride. You get over here, you open the, the door to the demonic manifestations that aren't the Holy Spirit and people think it is. So that's where you get a disconnect because if you're aligned with the word of God, then when you experience God, you know it's him. There's things that I will see in, in the charismatic church where there's a movement on somebody that I know it's a demon and that's not the Holy Spirit. That's not how the Holy Spirit moves. And, but the person wouldn't know because all they're in, in the presence, they feel a presence and they feel something and they align with it and they allow it. And it's actually the enemy making a spectacle. So where, where's the disconnect? Well, that, that's happened to me a lot. It's happened to me where I thought it was the Holy Spirit. It wasn't. Where's the disconnect? 
Because of knowing who God is and having more and full revelation of the Spirit of God, you actually will understand His character and understand His movement. And not that you could ever fully understand it, because you can't. I mean, the, the Spirit of God is beyond our understanding. The only thing that we can get is from wisdom and revelation. That's the only place that we could ever understand His mind and the way that He thinks in order for it to create wisdom and revelation in us. Let me go to uh, the scripture on... It's, uh, it's going to be on your first page. I was going to talk about deliverance, I thought, <laughs> and inner healing, but maybe I'm going to go there. I'm going to go to this scripture first because this is where I feel led. It's 1 Corinthians 2, 6 through 16. I did a lot of this on wisdom and, and abide. You know what? I, I just feel like God wants the church to operate in wisdom wants the church to operate in his spirit. His spirit is wisdom and understanding human wisdom versus the spirit of God's wisdom, understanding human reasoning, human knowledge versus God's knowledge, God's wisdom. That in itself, the dividing line of that is where anything that comes in resistance to it is exposed. Anything that needs to be dealt with with deliverance will be exposed when you tap into the spirit of God in that way. We do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature, but not the wisdom of this age or the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. No, we declare God's wisdom, a mystery that has been hidden and, and that God destined for our glory before time began. So there's people that you're not going to understand the mystery of God, just the mystery of salvation, the mystery of heaven. I mean, what God has really gave in store for us is Christians, what you attained when Jesus died on the cross, the mysteries of that. There's mysteries in it. There's an inability for human mind until they actually have regeneration to understand it. But the thing is, is just because you give your life to Jesus and you go and sit in church doesn't mean you all of a sudden have an understanding of the mystery of God, that you, under, you have understanding of the wisdom of God. You have to, we have to get, we have to realize that the human mind, the human reasoning of a person is always going to be the opposite because you are walking out of your carnal you're walking out carnality you're walking out of the flesh and he explains this because it goes goes more into this none of the rulers of this age understood it for if they did they would not have crucified the lord the lord of glory if the people who rejected jesus and crucified on the cross him on the cross actually saw the mystery within who jesus christ was they would have never touched him and I think that there's ways that we actually live in our life that if we saw the through, because the word actually wisdom, in the Greek, it has so many different translations. But it's like, it's a Sophia. I don't know if that's how you pronounce it. But this is the one for the word wisdom in this scripture. Is the insight into the true nature of things, human or divine. So get this. Wisdom can be human or divine. You have the ability to be wise, of course, Philosophers, you know, you, you, you're going to look at whatever Plato, or don't even try to get me to go there. In some ways, I'm making this up right now. But they would be considered wise, right? There's wisdom in the human mind, the ability to see through things. Divine wisdom, the insight to see the true nature of things, the, the insight to see through. I believe that's an element of wisdom. That if somebody had the wisdom to have seen Jesus Christ as who he was, how would they have seen through? This is the Lamb of God here to sacrifice his life 
so that I can have perfect relationship with the Father. If anybody had seen through, seen who he was, seen what the sacrifice meant. Now you look at the scripture that says, uh, for the joy, uh, Jesus Christ endured the cross. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Jesus Christ saw joy through the cross. I see that as wisdom. The, the element to see through suffering, to see the outcome, to see the results, to look at something and see it through the spirit of God, to see it through his eyes. God has given us the spirit on the inside of us to give us the ability to see through a storm, to see through tragedy, to see through questioning, to see through a wilderness. To have the ability to see through how you see the ability to see through to see Jesus. That's the wisdom of God. Oh, I want to go to another scripture, but let me finish this and then I'm going to... Oh, I really want to. This is what I do and I'm, I'm not going to. I'm going to stay in this one. I'm going to finish it. Okay. None of the rulers of this age understood if they had, they would never crucify him. However, it's written, what no eye has seen, nor... What no, what no ear has heard and what no human mind has conceived, the things of God has prepared for those who love him. These are the things God has revealed to us by his spirit. The spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. So here's the thing. Paul again is saying this is yours. This is what you see. He has revealed these things to you. You have the spirit of God living on the inside of you. Then why are we not tapping into it? Why are we not able to see it? Again, I will always, always say this. The only reason that I have gained any wisdom and revelation in my life is through a storm and through pain. That's the only way. I don't know. If somebody, I believe studying, you will get wisdom and revelation. But that studying needs to be experienced. If you just study, you are going to feed pride. If you just study. If you do not allow the Spirit of God to wreck you in what you're studying you will lack revelation of what you're talking on or what you even know and what you've gained through, through studying. For who, because my speaking and topics changed when I aligned scripture through studying to the experience. So I could preach and start speaking from the beginning because I had so much experience in me and so much, I, and I love Jesus with all my heart and I knew scripture, but until I decided to study scripture, did my messages actually change? In a, rele in a releasing of the anointing. And what I believe that is, the anointing's on you. The Holy Spirit is on you. He is in you. How does he flow out of you? What has clogged your pipe? Like, what is in there that lacks wisdom and revelation to actually letting the Holy Spirit flow through you to where you look at something with an insight from him that it won't make sense to the human mind? And if you tried to explain it to the human mind and somebody who doesn't have the Spirit of God on them, they're going to think you're freaking crazy. Right? Some of the stuff that I've had to be okay with going through into my life to question me to a level that I can't even explain, yet the Spirit of God is saying, this is good. That's wisdom. That's revelation. That's his eyes. That's not my eyes. That's not human reasoning. What's the difference between human knowledge and wisdom and revelation? What is it that clogs our pipes? What do we not see? What do we not understand? How do we not have the ability to see things beyond human understanding? Because the moment that a question comes in and it becomes the opposite of the result you were expecting, you get upset and you flip your mind and you blame God. And yet God's saying, I want to give you new eyes. That the way that you see things, you're going to look at things differently. That you actually won't flip when something happens that, you, that wasn't your expectation. That you actually won't because... When I taught on hope and expectation being like the biggest thing in my ministry, like what is your expectation? What is your hope? What are you standing for? What are you doing? What are you doing this? Well, 
there is such a truth and an element to that. But what if you are standing for something and the opposite happens? Does that mean that we're not to have hope? Does that mean that we're not to have expectation? Does it mean that God's not doing something and that there's something bigger coming? Wisdom and revelation would give you the ability to still stand in expectation for the promises of God even when you don't see them. Because it's the ability to tap into spirit and see through everything that you go through and everything that you walk into. It's a different way of living. It's why Paul was able to live the way that he lived because he had revelation. Now it says that he was taken up to the third heaven and he was given a thorn in the flesh because of the revelation he gained. He couldn't even tell you, he couldn't even tell the church what he heard. What he heard when he was taken to the third heaven. You guys know what I'm talking about? Is this Philippians like maybe three or something? And he was taken to the third heaven. He couldn't explain the wisdom or the revelation that he got, the things that he heard. But when he came to earth, he was given a thorn in the flesh to keep him from being prideful from what he gained, this understanding that he gained. Now I look at the result of that wisdom and revelation that he gained. He had to endure pain after it to maintain it. And why we think our life should always just be so comfortable. I think there's an element of pain that God allows me to endure to maintain what he tells me and what he teaches me in my life. Not that you live in pain all the time, but it's okay to have... To have things come against you, it's all right. How do we still live in that place? Yet he maintained then his revelation. And what did it, it what did it, it put him to do? That man was on fire. <laughs> he was on fire. He was in prison. And yet he says, he's telling the church to have joy. Rejoice. He's locked up for this revelation. That's where I want to be. Where you live in a wisdom and revelation that you could be locked up in prison. You could have so much suffering, but man, you know the spirit of God. You know the spirit of God. You have the mind of Christ. I believe that when we tap into these things and know God to the level of that way, the peace that resides through his spirit, anything that comes against it will be exposed. And that's what needs to be removed. That's where inner healing comes in. That's where deliverance comes in. What comes into resistance to this? That's the only way that we have to go at it. Because I don't care about just going after your demons or going after your problems if you don't allow the Spirit of God to change you, to shift you, to be the one that then is moving, that you become an overflow in those areas. So I believe that you have to be open to power of God, to tap into who He is, in order to expose what's in resistance to it for that to be removed. I believe that some people don't stay in deliverance. They get delivered, and I hear the stories of an immediate breakthrough in depression, immediate breakthrough in this area of their life, and then all of a sudden they're back in the turmoil of a few weeks later. Did they not get delivered? No, they got delivered. What lacked? I believe they lacked in, 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 in continuing in, in, into where God wanted to take them and staying in it because it's okay to have it battle it again. That's okay. It doesn't mean they went backwards. It's all right. That's part of the journey. I mean, I get delivered from depression and still have it come back in. I still deal with stuff. I still deal with triggers and stuff all the time. It's part of the journey. You just keep going. You keep going. You don't stop. Okay, let me finish this. The Spirit of God searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who knows a person's thought except the own spirit within him? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. For we have received is not a spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God. Again, I think that, like, I look at this as Paul likes to tell us over and over and over, this is not who you are. This is not what you got. Because guess what? A lot of people have the spirit of the world in us. Like, we do. Our mindsets. 
You know, you don't, you don't receive a spirit of fear, but you battle fear. So what'd you get? What do you got? What's going on? Right? But that's not what God gives us. So it's, it's dividing. What is, what is not aligning? What is not aligning to this truth? Too many times this stuff skipped over. It's not talked about because why is it not there fully flourishing in your life? Why are you not living out of this? Why are you not living out of place of Paul lived? Why are we not living like that? We have the ability to do that. Okay, I really will get through this and then I'll stop. In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God we received. Okay, I did that. This is what we speak. Not in words taught by human wisdom, but by words taught by the Spirit. The interesting... Oh, no, I'll go to that. I'm going to stop. Hold on. <laughs> Explaining spiritual realities with Spirit-taught words. The person without the Spirit does not accept the things that came from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolish. If there are things that you hear, stuff that you read... That if you paid attention to your human reasoning, there's an element of you that doesn't receive it. I would say that would say you think it's foolish. That's the human reasoning. That's the human knowledge. So there's an inability to fully believe. There's an inability to fully grasp. There's a reason that there isn't an unveiling in that area of your life because of that. Because if you can hear something, you can look at something, or, or somebody says something to you, but what happened? Why did it not go through? Have you ever sat, I've had this happen, where I sat in, in a teaching and literally that person's message created crazy revelation for me and literally shifted my life that day. I've had that happen before. I believe there, in, this, in the spirit, there is an, an, God offers that. We have the ability to actually gain that. An instant revelation of something that shifts your, your belief system and aligns your part of your mind to Christ in that moment. What is it that keeps us from it? That's what I want to pay attention to because what is it that keeps you from being able to do that? What is it that keeps that person in one of my things, arms crossed, like they want to bolt? <laughs> what is it? Is it just a spirit of unbelief? Is it resistance? Is it human nature? Is it just their mindset? Or is it that I'm not as cool as I think I am? <laughs> is that an option? I'm not really sure. Because I, <laughs> I feel like everybody should receive me, but they don't. So I had to get over that. Okay. Um, the person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolish. Cannot understand because they are, they are discerned only through the Spirit. What is your discernment? I will say this. There is true discernment. There's judgmental discernment. So there is discernment that is the Spirit of God, and then there's discernment that is judgment. Oh, what did this guy say yesterday? I was listening to something, and I think he said something like discernment anointed with hurt or offense is not true discernment. I see that as well. That is judgment. It's where you think you understand something, something makes sense to you, and it's you're not operating in the spirit of God's discernment. Why? Because your filter, your thing that's aligning to the spirit of God has debris because of your past, because of your story, because of things that you've been through. And just doctrine, like stuff you're taught in the church. If that's not fully aligning the truth and you don't know or you define that doctrine wrong, so somebody is teaching a true doctrine, but you took what that preacher said and you twisted it, then all of a sudden you put something on the filter that would be the Spirit of God aligning with you and your discernment is twisted in how you living out relationships and stuff. The person with the Spirit makes judgments about all things, but such a person is not subject to merely human judgments. 
Where is your judgments coming from? Where is your ability to see through things? Who has known the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ? And then he needs to just tell the church, he needs to tell us, we have the mind of Christ. That's who you are. That's what you have. Everything else that is in opposition of it isn't him. It's not his mind. I think that's the biggest thing that when it comes to deliverance and inner healing, what I don't understand when certain churches don't want to be open to it, well, I understand it because certain things have been kooky that's been done with deliverance. They've just done weird things. And so it, they've had to put sometimes that ministry out of being just up, you know, like offered where it would be offered from the pulpit basically because of the weird stuff that's happened. But when I look at it, I'm like, if I have the mind of Christ, if the Holy Spirit is saying that I am aligned with him, I have the ability to have wisdom and revelation and insight to him, then what comes up against in resistance to it is not from God. It is, if it's not from God, and some of it's from me, there's another player in the game. And that's where we deal with the demonic. That's where we deal with Satan. And that's where we deal with where is he active? What is he doing and how is he playing in it? Because if you don't remove you, then your demon's going to just come back. <laughs> but I really like to tell people. It's not just the demonic, okay? It's not just that you're so demonized or you're dealing because there's some people that they're at the focus. It is. It's, it's all the demons. That's where I was at, man. It was all the demons. No, Sarah's got a problem. <laughs> you also got a problem yourself, okay? And sometimes you're fighting yourself and you're not even dealing with a freaking demon, okay? The demon's like, I didn't have to do anything. Let her go. She's over here. Like, just leave her alone. We didn't have to do any work today. Like, you know, it's true, though. Like, that is really where we stand in human nature. We want to blame. We want to blame. We want to play the blame game. We want to play it on God. We want to blame it on the devil. And when you're just your own problem <laughs> and that's where inner healing comes in that's the difference inner healing is dealing with your problem deliverance is dealing where the enemy works what happens is they can get shifted and you can be tricked and you can think that there's other stuff going on and you can think that you know god is doing something and god's like that wasn't me either <laughs> what your problem is <laughs> and you think it's him too and it's all you you've been playing the entire game of your problem this is like me recently, so. <laughs> and I got blaming over here and over here, and it was like Sarah herself and I. <laughs> so let me explain inner healing. Let me explain deliverance so you get now where I'm going with this or where I think I'm going. Reasons to need inner healing. Let me. So when I look at inner healing, I didn't even know I had an inner healing ministry. I had never even heard of inner healing. So I write a curriculum based on what I thought God told me to write about how I got set free from all the bondages in my life. Well, you're looking at being diagnosed bipolar, so severe depression, suicidal depression, drug addiction, um, and just a lot of problems. <laughs> a lot of mental problems. <laughs> problem after problem after problem. Like, I, if you guys would know you, who I was just like five years ago, maybe a year ago, you wouldn't have liked me. So, and it wasn't that I wasn't nice. I just wanted nothing to do with you. <laughs> and I would no way ever want to do anything like this, like stand in front of people, speak, and ever just like, I just did, had no interest in even relationships and, and doing what, I, what I'm doing. So my bondages weren't just the things in the outside. They weren't just the fact that I was a drug addict. It wasn't just the fact that, you know, I'm on, you know, eight different medications a day, being like, like a mummy since I was 14 years old. That wasn't just my bondage. That wasn't just my problem. My problem was that I actually was a dysfunctional human 
human being. <laughs> and like, how do you would think my, that's my personality? No, that was not my personality. I actually didn't start to know my personality until my late twenties. So I thought that I just had this very like, I knew I was funny. <laughs> I just, I, actually, I didn't. I don't even think that I was super sarcastic, but I was like mean sarcastic. I mean, you can imagine. Like, I was like, I'm going to slit you with my sarcasm. I wasn't as much as like uh, enjoyed laughing. I didn't like to laugh. I didn't like to like uh, sit in conversation and enjoy a conversation. I had no interest to talk to a person. Um, I would not touch you, would not hug you. I would not like, there were parts of my personality that was very isolated. I just wanted to be alone. I didn't know what joy was. I never had experienced hope. Uh, I thought peace was Xanax. <laughs> that was peace for me, was a buttload of Xanax. In Valium, that was peace. I didn't know anything else. I didn't know that the Spirit of God gave peace, and I had no idea what joy was. I thought hope was just when I had a day I wasn't severely suicidal. I thought that was hope. The day that I actually came out and I didn't feel depression that day, that was hope. That's not hope. There's so much more to the hope in the Spirit of God and what hope is. And so I just thought that was hope, when actually that just wasn't me in complete sadness and depression. There's so many people that live in a complacent life. They think peace is, 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 uh, is peace. It's not. It's complacency. You're just not moving. You need to move. It's okay to move. It's okay to have a moving life that sometimes is uncomfortable. I believe that actually produces true peace. And so I think that there's elements of our life that the Spirit of God, which is the fruit of the Spirit, joy, hope, peace, and stuff, is not fully reigning in your life. So what is it? What is it that keeps us from fully reigning? Because this is a battle I live in every day. I have it all the time where I'm like, God, why am I not fully living the hope and expectation? Look at this. You're crazy, God. You tripped me out. Look what you're doing with my story. This is like literally I started this from nothing. Nothing. God dropped everything in my lap to do what I'm doing. He just dropped it. Each painful experience. The fact I said yes and I pushed through crying and not understanding why and why and why. And he would drop that there. I push, 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 drop that there. And look. To doing the events where people just want to come to learn to be set free it's weird <laughs> I think it's weird I get weirded out all the time by what God does with me I'm like it's weird to me this is was never my dream my expectation what is it it's just saying yes to God but it's painful I don't have this like super freaking easy life that's like laid back and like oh I'm just floating every day because I go and teach on on God and I'm this, I'm doing this ministry it's so amazing to watch everybody get set free no <laughs> it's hard it's like totally hard you know but God's a God that's a rewarder and I know that there's elements of His spirit I don't live in I know it that's why I'm passionate about this stuff because I know it's true I know he's like, no, your ministry, you're supposed to have joy all the time because that's my spirit on you. So Sarah, why are you not living in joy? What do you still question about me? What do you still think of me as a heavenly father? That's where my lack of joy comes from. I question him. If things don't make sense and I go, why this, why that? Why is this not aligned? But I'm doing this, God, I've given up everything and I'm going and I'm going and I'm going. Why not this? How do you still see me, Sarah? You still think I stole your mom? You still think I stole your sister? You still think that I delivered you a man that would abuse you and stalk you? Do you still have those mindsets, Sarah? Why do you still question me just because something's painful? What is it in me that's not allowing the fruit of who he is? Why don't I live in joy and hope? I mean, shouldn't I be like on fire and so excited in my life of just what God's doing with my story? You would think so, wouldn't you? 
I mean, I look at myself and I think that, why am I not like in so much, why do I still question him? Why do I still get frustrated at stuff like that? That's because this stuff is true. It's real. We have human minds. We have human reasoning. Tapping into the spirit of God does not come from a place of just sitting on your couch and watching TV. <laughs> and it doesn't come from a place from just picking up the word of God. It comes from a place of taking the word of God and allowing it to be active in your life. Hebrews 4.12, the word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword, dividing between joint and marrow, soul and spirit, and it exposes your innermost thoughts. Is the word of God alive and active in exposing your innermost thoughts? Because if it is not exposing something that's coming in resistance and should be severed on that sword, then you're not fully living in full revelation of the word of God. The word of God should not just create something in you. It should expose resistance to it. So it should not just create a truth. The result of it exposing resistance should create the truth. Does that make sense? Because there's times that the word of God, you're just going to take and I'm going to confess it all day today. And this is this and this. If it doesn't expose what's coming up against that in you, then you're not going to get revelation because it's not going to be able to sever that off of you. So if I look at Jesus Christ, man, the place that i got to tap into with the questions that come up against me, if people can understand what I endure in the mindset of when you've lost what I've lost and what I've seen, what I've seen in my life, the mindset of the rug being pulled out from under me is literally the biggest giants in my life at all times. It is a giant I have warred and warred and warred. I have cut off his arms. I've cut off his legs. I've cut off his chest. I feel like he just has a head. <laughs> but he's still there because he has a freaking mouth. <laughs> so he's still doing something because it still comes in. That mindset still comes in. And this is something that God has literally allowed things to shift really fast out from under me to change that in me. That's where you get wisdom and revelation because God doesn't do things that human nature thinks should do because how I would see God keeping me from that mindset is patty caking me for a long time. Giving me a good, blessed life for all the pain I've been through. Giving me all this stuff. But I have a shift in my mind in what blessings are. Make your expectations align with his expectations. Because you will twist what you think blessings are. So if I think that that's how God should pedicate, my blessings should be, you know, just a comfortable life and a marriage and children and like, you know, uh, financial comfort and all of that. If I had that, I would die. Like, I need a moving life. Not that I would die because married and kids, no. But I need, like, to have fun. I need to be, like, doing stuff. I need to be out. I need to go be delivering demons or speaking. Uh, I just can't be at home a stay-at-home mom. So that was a false expectation. I would never have enjoyed that. That would not be for me, okay? That's, that's not everybody. Everybody, there are people, that is their calling, and they want to do it, and they have complete peace in it. That was not for me. But in my head, I told myself, God, this is how you should patty cake me. You should make sure now everything's okay. That I will get a knight in shining armor because I was abused for so long. You make you reason how the things should come in your life and how it should work. And then all of a sudden when it doesn't, because your mind's not aligned with Christ and you don't have the spirit of God and wisdom and revelation flowing out of you, when it doesn't happen, all of a sudden you shift and you twist and an old mindset comes in. And you have to identify the old mindset. Where did that come from? What am I not aligning with this truth? Why can't I see through why am I only seeing on the outside what is shifted in my mind? And that's where you identify, okay, this, this belief system. Okay, where, where is this crippled? So to me, there was, there's always the, the mouth of the giant, which is loss. 
which is it never coming out the way you think it should come out. The result not being what it should be. And what's crazy is God lets the result not be the way it should be in my life over and over and over and over and over again. <laughs> to what would feel like the rug being pulled out constantly, 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 constantly. And that, that is where wisdom and revelation and things have been I have had to tap into because I have no other choice. What is this, God? What are you trying to show me? What are you trying to teach me? Is it that we try to box you in? We look at you and we say, this is who you should be. And we take this scripture and we put it up in this box. This is what this scripture means. Now God's boxed in, in his scripture. If the word of God is not severing a resistance in you and exposing your innermost thoughts, then your life will not move and there will be complacency. And you will have expectations that don't come through and you will walk away from things that God wants you to walk through. And all of a sudden, you are a Christian that stays in the same little circle. Because you don't want to push through the pain. You don't want to push through this. You don't want to push through that. You don't want to get on the other side where you see the spirit of God flow out of you in such a way. Why? Not because he wasn't there. He was always there because you removed the residue on you and in you and through you. And you tapped into true revelation. You tapped into true wisdom. Spiritual warfare is easy at that point. I like to say that. It's <laughs> bull crap of what I really believe when it comes to it. We should live in the ease of it. That's what I'll say. I know that's a place God wants me to live. I'm very aware of my problems. Like super aware. I'm like probably the most aware person of her issues. <laughs> I really am. I just sometimes will run in a circle with it. But I am ultra aware. Hey, the war in my life should not be this hard. That's Sarah. I get that. I know that. I know a lot of stuff that I sit in circles in is that I war longer than I need to because of my mindsets. And I also know that I should live in more joy and I should live in more hope and I should live in more peace. I don't get in front of people and say I've arrived. I just know what I'm working through and what I'm walking through and I know what God's doing in me. And I know that there's a purpose that he wants it out of me. And that's where I'm at with that stuff. But there's things that you will sit in longer than you need to sit in and stuff that isn't moving in your life because you don't want to endure the pain of it. Because when you walk into the pain, something comes in resistance to you and it shoves you away from trusting God to go. Because the biggest area you will get to trust God is to get pushed and not thinking he will come through. How can trust get produced in you? How did Israelites get to know and get questioned who God was because they got put into a wilderness? Where they had to trust him and they didn't trust him. They got delivered. They forgot what they got. They got manna dropping from heaven. They, they didn't see the awe of the miracle. They stayed longer. They stayed longer and they stayed in the same circle. And they kept going, they kept going, and they kept going. They, wouldn't, they didn't get through. They get giants. They got, they got stuff they had to come against. They got stuff that they had to defeat. They had wars that they had to do. They kept winning wars. They get manna dropped from heaven. Yet they sat in the same place over and over and over and over again. Why? Lack of trust. Why were they not learning to trust God in all those things? We have the ability, we have the opportunity that when things come in and are not the way that we think that they should be, that it will expose something in you and it will either expose a resistance, it will expose your mindset, it will expose what's keeping you from the other side of it. You have the opportunity, are you going to trust? Are you gonna say okay? Are you gonna to get to the other side and watch the Spirit of God flow out of you more? You will literally see a change in you. I can see a change in myself from this stuff just from peace in the most painful places of my life. The ability to tap into peace because the mindset is finally starting to get ward out of me. 
If I think that somebody just does one inner healing sessions where they start, that where they decide to go to that place in their heart that had pain or their pers a person in their life died, they were divorced, they had rejection, and they think that going to that place one time and the breakthrough that they got is going to produce the fullness, it will not. Why? Because the next time the test comes in, if you don't allow it to take you there and keep producing the fullness, you will not fully walk in the full revelation. You will walk in part of it. And that's what you get. You get the Israelites, they come against one giant. They claim territory in the wilderness. They weren't in the promised land yet. They claim territory in it. You will claim territory. But you will sometimes save your own freaking ter territory for a really long time. I should stop saying Because <laughs> I record now, and this is stuff I want to make. Sorry, people. I want to put his podcast. The last podcast from Abide, I said... I said, Daniel in the um, fiery furnace. It's Daniel in the lion's den. Okay. And I also said the wrong Greek word. I said, instead of agape, I said zoe, which is life. And I hear those and found them. Damn it! I want to make that a podcast. And I, like, whatever, I still did. But I wanted to put a sorry at the bottom of it. Sorry to any <laughs> preachers who realized that was wrong. Because <laughs> it's totally embarrassing. But there's some things I shouldn't, I'm not, I shouldn't say, but... That wasn't that as bad. There's other things. I was saying I was saying something good. What was I saying? When I was talking right now, before I just went off on that tangent. Talk about mindsets. Huh? Mindsets. That the 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 spiral, the, the spiral that will expose it. Mm -hmm. If if you don't keep going back to revisit why you got there, you're not gonna get to the other side. That's really all it comes down to. If you don't allow a trigger to produce like a stability in movement, meaning you can still be triggered. You can still go off on something that you're like, man, I was doing so good this day. Today, I felt good. Felt really good. And all of a sudden, man, my husband, <laughs> he did this. <laughs> Alyssa, I'm just kidding. Okay. <laughs> no, but I'm just kidding. See, <laughs> But one person triggers it. One thing doesn't go right. There's one expectation you had that went wrong. Flipped your mind. Flipped you that instantly. You went into a place of turmoil. You went into a place of pain. You went into a place of whatever it is. And then you have, here's the other side of that. You have people living in the pain every day. Every single day. And they just don't know it. It's not even about a trigger for you. You are a trigger. <laughs> Your life is a trigger. You are in it. You are in the storm every single day. That was my life every day. Now it's triggers. So there's a difference. There's people that live in this pain all the time. You're in the pain. And you actually need something to just go into a space. And you need the opposite where it's not the trigger. You just need a release and know there's something different. Because in the release of that pain, all of a sudden you go, oh my gosh. The spirit of God. God's alive. God's real. I mean, I can see it from people coming to one thing in my event and there's a release in them. Something shifts in them that day. They walk out lighter. There's more joy. There's more hope. There's more, oh my gosh. Something changed in them instantly. And then it goes back. It starts to go back. But all you needed was the glimpse of hope to know that there was more. That's all you needed, right? And then you have the other side of it. Where people are living and they're trying to gain and they're trying to gain victory and they're standing and they're at least doing okay and then the trigger comes in. It flips on. 
Where does it take you? How do we expose that? How do we look at our innermost thoughts? How do we expose our mind? Ephesians 4, 17 through 24. With the Lord's authority, I say this. I think this is on the second page. Okay. Live no longer as the Gentiles do. So he's telling the most spiritually mature church. He spent, what, two to three years there, Paul did, when he was visiting them. He's, which, okay, I'm not going to say. For they are hopelessly confused. So don't live like you're hopelessly confused. Their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from the life God gives because they have closed their minds and hardened their hearts against him. Just because we love Jesus and we walked in or we go to church doesn't mean that we don't have hardening of hearts. It doesn't mean that we don't have resistance on us to the full revelation and the full spirit of God. They have no sense of shame. They live for lustful pleasure, eagerly practice every kind of impurity, but that isn't what you learned about with Christ. Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature. This is what's interesting about this. He's saying you're brand new. You're brand new in Christ. You have to throw it off. He's saying take it off. So sometimes we're we're taught these things. This is who you've been. Jesus on the cross, you are right standing. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And Paul is saying, throw off anything that's the opposite of it. How do we throw off? Many of us are, are wearing cloaks the opposite of righteousness. I mean, it talks about multiple times in, in Scripture in Isaiah, you are wearing a cloak of righteousness. In the spirit realm, you are cloaked. If you guys even knew this, like legit, demons see this, okay? I know this. The enemy sees you are cloaked with the righteousness. He imparted the imputed righteousness of Christ on your life. That is who you are. You have not thrown off your old nature. You do not live in it. That's all it is. It is truth, the spirit of God. Paul's like, this is who you are. It's who you are. This is what is yours. But you're not walking in it. You're not living in it. You have not thrown off the old nature. You've not thrown off your nasty cloak you have on top of that cloak. <laughs> Right? It's so true. Hold on. My thing's not turning. Okay. Throw off the old sin nature and your former way of life. It is not just an out willful sin. I think people need to understand that. It doesn't just mean I did stop smoking. I did stop doing drugs. I did stop cussing. I did stop whatever. And now I should be. No, it is not just that. It's not just the religious mindset of the work mentality of what we do to present ourselves to Jesus. We don't have to present ourselves to Jesus. Jesus presents us to God. Jesus is already presenting you clean. Jesus is already presenting you with no guilt and no condemnation. The accuser, the enemy accuses you. He accuses you to you. You accuse yourself to God. <laughs> the enemy sits there and tells you, this is who you are. This is who you are. This is who you are. Paul says, no, take that off. It's not who you are. This is who you are. When a trigger comes in, take it off. How do you take it off? Expose where it's coming from. Let the word of God expose your innermost thoughts that are resistant to his truth. Some of it is so deep-rooted in us. It's so, so, so deep-rooted in us that you have to get sliced and sliced and sliced and sliced and sliced to get it to come off. You have to get the trigger, the pain, the opposite of what you expect to get it off of you. So that you are so aligned, you are so rooted and established in the love of God, you are unmovable, you can't move. You are a tree that is planted next to a stream. Isn't that in Psalms? <laughs> it is. Psalms, what, 23? Okay. Um, 
The former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. We can be corrupted just by the deception of who we are. I think too many times we just take this stuff and we think that this is the person that is so a certain way. When I believe all of us live with these things that are over us, that cover us, that we need to throw off of us to walk in the fullness that Christ purchased for us. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your, your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. Now, I used to always look at this, the Spirit of God. To renew my mind, to take Scripture and meditate, to meditate on it, for me to align with it. Here's one thing from just meditation of Scripture and just confession of Scripture. If there is not a stripping that comes along with it, it still is not going to fully divide and expose your innermost thoughts. I believe that there's a stripping that almost has to happen to a person to actually walk in the fullness of a renewed mind. Because how is something renewed is made new, the old is taking off. Having the old taken off is not necessarily comfortable and feels good. You have lived a certain way your entire life. You have mindsets established from youth. When the Spirit of God wants to come in and strip you, you think it's going to feel good. <laughs> it is not like you're put at a spa in the spirit realm. And he is just baby caking you. Here, this is who you are. I love you. And that, he is. That's the thing. God is saying, this is who you are. I love you. But if you're not going to get this, sometimes i got to come in and slice some stuff off of you. With the word of God that is alive and active and will move and will shape and will recreate. And make you into who you really are. We were created into the image of God, but we go from glory to glory. Talks about 2 Corinthians uh, 3. When the Spirit, when you turn to, to Christ, the Spirit of God, when you look to the Spirit of God, we are free. We are set free. When we put our eyes to Jesus Christ, we've been set free. But we go from glory to glory. Meaning that we were created into the image of God. There's an element of sanctification that goes from glory to glory. So when you look at this word renew, the original word, I can't pronounce it, so I'm not even going to say it, in this scripture, the original word in this scripture, is actually only used in Ephesians 4.23. Make new in relation to, to, to time. Here believers are reminded, this is from the Vines, the Vines Dictionary. Here believers are reminded of God's continuous offer to bring new strides in their sanctification through sanctified reasoning. Raising the meaning up to a new level of spiritual comprehension and reality. Going to a higher stage. The renewing of your mind should not just be that all of a sudden you believe this and this is shifted. So you believe, you believe in that element, not in all of life that God pulls the rug out from under me. Maybe in something I experienced, I always felt that's what that was. In that mindset, my mind got renewed. He didn't pull the rug out from under me in that experience. If that renewed mind that took through that experience doesn't take me to a higher level, I am not fully a renewed mind in that area. There should now have produced a new level of faith in me. So it's not just that you're looking at your life as what is the sanctifying process of you becoming a better you. It is a lot more than that. It is about you actually releasing more of the Spirit of God on you as well. An ability to walk in faith that you could never imagine that you could walk in. Like, what is true faith? What is living in faith? You are never going to know what it is to fully live in faith unless you get tested with the opposite. The opposite, of, the opposite of faith, so you'd be tested with fear. 
everything in you come at you that creates fear. And yet, God's going, I'm just letting you get renewed to produce faith. And I'm allowing it. And I'm allowing you, where are you going to run? What are you going to do? Who are you going to say me to be? Do you still say I'm faithful? And do you still believe I'm faithful? Are you able to still believe me? If I wasn't, if I got patty caked in just, in this comfortable little life after all the pain I walked out of, let's just say when I got finally delivered to Oklahoma after the guy was stalking me. And God took me into a season where he, he did, I would say, oh my gosh, completely protected me. I was in the small town in the middle of what I consider nowhere, even though it's Tulsa, but considered to hear it was nowhere. <laughs> Felt like nowhere. Pretty much by myself. I had no family. God brought me at least like I would have a close friend and I got more and more friends over time that I became a nicer person. <laughs> I gained a, a couple new friends. Every, every time it was nicer, I, I became nicer into the second year <laughs> and then way nicer into the third year. And then I started doing ministry. So I totally started like becoming nicer and I'd get more friends and more people would come into my, into my life. God did put a protection on me in that time. He did do a little bit of the, of the patty caking of saying like, I need to separate you. He pulled me out of all the pain. He took me out of this place that there was pain, so much, so much pain in California for me, for what I had endured. He had to separate me. There's a separation that will be allowed to come in your life and don't always think it's going to be the spot. Sometimes there's a separation that feels painful. It feels lonely. But there's something that he does in the separation that will expose all the pain, expose anything that comes in resistance to him, and allow him to do the work. In that separation. You know what he did, though, after the separation? It's not like it was my life was cookies out there. I mean, goodness, mom, my life has never been cookies and, like, easy. He brings me back miraculously in such a crazy way of, like, how he gave it to me. Right back in the neighborhood where everything happened to me. Meaning I lived down the street from the house that I grew up in. I lived down the street from my sister's burial site. And I lived down the street that I was completely attacked and like a lot of crazy stuff happened to me when I was in that relationship. I literally walking distance from it all. And God, I'm blessing you with this. And I go, well, shoot, it all dropped in my lap. Like I got a cute little apartment, super safe, hidden in, the, in a back house. It dropped in my lap. I mean, God was like, you're going. He told me December 17th, I was living in California, January 17th, a place to live given like it instantly happened. Okay. All dropped in my lap. Where did he take me? He took me back to the storm. Took me back in the middle of everything he took me out of for five years. I'm not going to go put you. I want. I thought I was going to come to Huntington Beach. No, I'm going to place you in it all. And I'm going to show you who I am in all of it. Sometimes there's going to be things in your life. You go get placed back in all the pain. And it doesn't make sense. He faces you to your giant that you ever ran away from so that you see his ability through your giant. So what giant you face, he will allow you to face it so you see his ability through it. That giant to me, I never could see his ability through it. I needed to just be rescued and he rescued me. God rescued the Israelites from Egypt. He took them to a place of giants. But he, then he rescued them. They were living in deliverance. He didn't allow the war just to be gone. How much do you believe me? How much do you believe I say this promised land is for you? How much do you believe that this is? Stop going to idols. Stop turning away from me. No, I'm saying this is yours, but I'm going to give you a warrant. How much do you want it? How much do you believe me? 
Sometimes we just look at the blessings of God and the ease of God means there is unmoving and unchanging when actually the ease of God will come out of the moving and out of the pain and out of the changing. Now when I'm in, in that, I, was, I don't think I had PTSD. No, I did. When I went back, I was weirded out, okay? I was super excited to come back to California. I was like flying high. I was so excited when he finally released me. I'd been there for five years and I was waiting on him to tell me. I didn't know he was going to bring me back to California. I thought I'd end up in another state. I had no idea what he would bring me back here for, but I always wanted to come back here. So when it just gets released on me, it was in one day. So there's weeks leading up to it and I have it written down. The biggest war came on me. I mean, I woke up one day, couldn't move my arms and I'm doing hair in the salon like this because there was so much pain on my arms. I had, was sleeping with ice packs. This is undiagnosable. I just would come un under stuff like that last for like six weeks. I knew something was happening and there was some pushback on me. And I remember telling my friends, I feel like I'm going to be released into ministry. You're like, I'm moving. I feel like I'm going somewhere. And I'm telling them this, okay? And we lead up and it was literally one day, December 17th. And I was on the phone with Erica, my friend Erica out here. And it was like that I instantly knew. And I was coming back to help her with her ministry and that was it. And I picked up and came. Everything was so, so, so easy. There was such an ease to where I was going. It was clear the spirit of God was leading me. Where did he lead me? Right into a, a den of giants <laughs> and it was a blessing and he has blessed me with it he gave it to me so easy and I walk into it and I come in and I sat there in crazy depression for the first month that I was back in that because I looked around and I'm going every memory of my sister I mean my sister's buried up the freaking street the hospital that I was in taking care of her for years is down the street from me everything is within a mile around me so I would walk around and I just have these memories of my life, memories of what I went through with her, memories of the abuse I was in just up the street. And God's saying, I'm renewing your mind in this. I'm going to renew your mind in pain. I'm going to let you see all of this all different. And watch what I'm going to do now to your story. It's okay to have pain. It's okay. What do we allow it to produce? Who is God within our pain? Are we allowed to, are we willing to face it? And I think that's the biggest resistance on people. They don't want to face it. It feels better to keep it covered. It feels better to shut down. It feels better to stay away from things instead of walking through it. Instead of getting to the other side of it. Inner healing and walking through the things in your life will produce a deliverance that's not just physical and emotional. There's a deliverance that will be released in just around you. A freedom that you never had before. Like I can't explain that it's not just a shift in me that I experience. I see a shift in just like going into spaces and places with people. God will release the spirit of God through you just because you're walking in the freedom of who he is. You don't have to sit there and always just tap in, oh God, oh God, oh God, pray for it. Like I used to think that I had to pray so long and do all this like crazy studying to do any events. God's like, will you just tap into me? It's me. Ask me what I want to do. I went to Palm Springs this week. <laughs> I was at first like, I know I have this big event coming, but he wasn't giving me anything. And I'm like, but I'm not getting it. And I'm like, no, I, I can't go on vacation. Like I have to stay home. And I was like, no, I feel like he's like, no, go to Palm Springs. Like stop tripping. Like, go to Palm Springs. I'll tell you when it's time for me to tell you what you're going to do. It's not about you. It's about me. 
Too many times we work for God. Mm-hmm. We get a message like this and we go home and we sit and try to journal for two hours about our problems. <laughs> That's what I did. I remember somebody like first introducing me to the, pride, the the baggage of my life. Like I never realized healing. Like I didn't. I was out in Oklahoma and just trying to get free. I just wanted to get free. And so everything that I got taught, I took it and I ran with it like nobody's business. I applied it to my life that day. That's one thing about my personality. If I get something, I go after it. That's the only reason this mystery is going. Okay, by myself, like I've done all this. It's because if I get an idea, if I get a vision, if God says this is something, I will run at it with, I don't give a crap what giant comes at me. I will run at it and I will see it come through. Sometimes it's just taking something and running at it. Even when it's painful, even when it's weird. So I would hear one thing, one thing being taught to me about your mouth. One thing about if that could work for me. Oh my goodness. You're saying that my mouth can shift something in me to start to see God differently. Then you better believe I'm going to take everything about my mouth and I'm going to take that and I'm going to run with it. Getting the one truth, like getting one thing, getting one thought that God takes you to this place and at least take that and run with that. But then there's times that then I start realizing, oh my gosh, all my baggage, all my issues. I remember Erica was out visiting me and we were hiking and she just said, I just think you need a lot of healing. Oh, you think? (laughs) This is like years ago. She's like, I just feel like the stuff that you've been through, I don't think you're really healed from your mom. And like, and, and what's funny is that I think I thought I was, I don't know why I thought I was, I had never really walked through anything. I was just running my whole life. I just ran. And so if I didn't cry about it every day, I was set free. Sometimes we think just because we don't think about it, we're good. No, you're not. (laughs) Like, I thought, like, A, I'm not mourning my sister, and I don't take all my antidepressants. I'm doing good. Like, I've been healed, and it was like, no. God's like, no, this is going to be something I'm going to take you through. I'm going to, I want to see you fully walk in my image. Walking in my image is not going to be easy. Look at what Jesus did. Look at who he is. Look how he had to take on human nature. Come here and sacrifice that human nature in order to to take back the glory and go back to heaven. Maybe your human nature needs to be sacrificed. Maybe who you are and what you've taken on just needs to be sacrificed and there's a pain that's going to come in it. So then I remember thinking, I was like, oh my gosh, I was in, in Tulsa and she tells me that I still need healing. I freaked out. So I started journaling every day for hours all my problems. And I thought that I was going to walk myself through all my healing. But that was my personality. If I thought there was a problem, I'm going to deal with it. I'm going to figure out what it is. And I just wore myself out. I totally got in my head that I was going to get myself healed. And I was going to do it in prayer. And I was going to do it in writing. And every and I will cry. Let me cry for two hours this morning. And let me try to work through this. Let me try to cry tomorrow. If I can't get crying, I will work hard to try to cry. And like in my head, I had to work what I thought had to be the grief, had to be the mourning, had to get and purge all this stuff out of me so that I could be set free. And all I did is wear myself out. I did not do it in the grace of God and the spirit of God. And if anybody ever receives what I say out of the grace of God, then it's not right. If it ever gets into your human nature, makes you think this is what you got to do to shift this in you, to change this in you, it's not right. That's not from the Spirit of God. It's in Him and through Him. It's such just saying, are you ready? Are you willing? Yes, I am, and I'm willing to, it to be painful if I have to, in order to produce this glory on the other side. His glory of Him on in you, flowing out of you. It's just going to be a painful process of doing that. Ooh. Okay, I'm on point. I feel like with timing. I didn't know I was going to all these topics. I don't know what I'm doing. Um, do you want me to explain before we take a break? Inner healing and deliverance. Would people like to hear that? Yeah? Okay. Reasons to need inner healing. This is on your first page. Verbal and emotional abuse. Death, trauma, fear, 
fear-induced experiences, taught belief systems, rejection, loss, divorce, abandonment, dysfunctional family environments, sexual abuse, spiritual abuse, abortions, unforgiveness, etc. Honestly, to be like already what I said, I believe this is the type of what inner healing is, if we can define it differently, it's just to expose things that come up to the resistance of God that are on the inside of you. And those usually come from belief systems and things that you've been through. Now to get to it, to get to those places, the inner healing part is revisiting the experience, okay? Meaning in your time with God, in the Holy Spirit, it is allowing him to take you to revisit it, restore and renew the mindset in the eyes of how you saw it and what happened to you in the experience. Some ministries, what they will do is take you into prayer and they will take you to that place and then they're going to have you um, close your eyes and ask Jesus to come into the room. You have somebody who went through physical abuse, sexual abuse, and you go into prayer and you take them into the place and you say, do you see yourself in that room now? Ask where Jesus Christ is in that room. And that's how you take someone through emotional healing in their soul of like a sexual abuse or a trauma, something like that. It's allowing Jesus into that place. Now, I have, I would say, maybe done that for people in prayer. I don't do that anymore. I believe it's completely true, and this is how we need, this is a great way for one-on-one personal inner healing for somebody, for somebody to get to that place in those deep, deep, deep wounds and stuff. I mean, staying in freedom, the curriculum, that's a lot of the homework. It's taking Jesus into those spaces. That's 100% it. But when I look at this as a teaching for a room and for people to grasp and to understand, it's how do we enter into those spaces, into our lives, and see Jesus through it? How can we do that on our own time where we don't need a counselor to take us through it? How do we get to the place? How do we allow God to redefine? How do we allow what is coming up in resistance to God? You allow the truth of God to expose it. You allow the truth of God to expose where is this at and what do I want to do? Now, he will just do it in here. I mean, the anointing will just start doing it. It starts coming up in people. Some people just get the healing here. Like, all what I believe, any type of healing from something you've been through, it needs to produce revelation. That's true healing. That is true healing. That is when you walk in the fullness of it, is that you get to a place where you go, oh my gosh, this is what this was. This is why I do that. This is why I do that. It's because this right here, I needed a renewed mind about. Now, can you imagine what that was like for me, having all the experiences that I had? Imagine, I have not done 20 million little sessions of taking Jesus into any every spot that I've been through in my life. That would just be like, there's too many of them. There's so too many of them. It had to come from me and him, me and the Father, in the fullness of him, and me walking through this with, with him. And sometimes that came from a stripping in order to take me to the places, because sometimes the rooms in your heart are so hard to get through that God has to take a back to it. <laughs> it's so true. It is not like, oh, I need to go to the space of when my mom committed suicide. Let me just, like, Holy Spirit, will you show me what took place in, the, in that experience? And there's something, no, like, dude, I had to be triggered with every single thing that resulted from your parents c- killing themselves. I had to get triggered to go back to it, meaning I had to face rejection over and over and over again. I had to do a ministry where God calls me into a church in the first year where the elders turn on me. And God tells me, no, you're going. When I was getting, in, in a way, abused by them. And I had to go do the event. Like the worst rejection, I'm this single girl. I'm this girl carrying this deliverance ministry. And I know God's telling me, you got to go do this. I'm going to go face you with rejection and pain. The doctrine that you came under that you feel like distorted your mindset, you're now going back to it. You're going to get hurt by it. Because I'm going to strip from you rejection that came from your mother. 
You don't understand. Sometimes God will take you to some crazy places to remove something from way back when so that you can walk in the fullness of him. There's no way that I could do this type of ministry. I could do what I'm doing in public speaking if I have a fear of man. So God strips it from me all the time. All the time. I know that maybe one day I will be considered a heretic. <laughs> I, I know that. I know that. I told my dad. I'm like, are you okay with that? If there's things that get said about me, and, he, and my dad's so protective. Nah, he gets all mad about it, but I'm like, Dad, you might be one of them. <laughs> but like, for, for, for where God wants to take you, for you to have the ability and strength to stand in things for him to give you more, to place more in your life, if he doesn't allow your foundation to be knocked down and hit so that the true foundation can grow up because it will be rooted in him. Your foundation, when it is not rooted in him, it is knockable. When it is not built on Jesus, it is knockable. He will knock it if you allow him to. Some of you get, get he, he's knocking to, to move you, and sometimes we just, we think it's something else. We blame it on him, or we actually blame it on the devil, or we blame it on things like that, when it is actually him. Not meaning, here's the thing, God is good, he's good all the time. He is not the one that comes in and puts illness and disease and hurts you. God will allow and use the enemy as a chess piece. And I don't mean it in all circumstances. There are things that are absolutely, I don't believe, were his will for things. But there are certain things that he will allow. He will always, even if something comes into your life out of left field, he will just make sure it's better. Your result is good. He'll just make sure of that. That's who he is. He just will. It doesn't matter what it is. I don't care if it's your fault. He will just do that. That is just who he is. The only reason that sometimes we don't see the result of that is that we stood in it for way too long and we were the one creating it. You know, you stay in the pain of it. It's like me staying in, a, in a, an abusive relationship and screaming out for deliverance before ever taking a step for him to deliver me. So I stayed in this relationship. I keep going back, keep going back, keep going back. Finally get sober and I'm begging him, God, get me out of this. Just deliver me. Get me free from this man. And I would sit in my car every day outside my salon and beg it, beg him. Then I feel in my heart to get baptized, publicly baptized. And here I'm smoking. I was still a total mess. Like I did not get my life straight before I got baptized. I get baptized and I get delivered two weeks later. What is that? We sit in our thing and we sit in our thing and we think just because we pray and we pray and we pray and God doesn't do something that it's like him. When actually he's like, no, can you just take one step and I will come in and instantly it. I just need faith produced in you. Faith will not get produced unless you try to step out of the pain, unless you try to step out of what you're being sucked into. Faith will not get produced unless you try to get out of what is moving in your life yourself. Then faith starts to get produced. So it's making a step. God will call us to take a step within some of these things that make no sense at all and are absolutely against human reasoning. And in that, all of a sudden, God will shift and he will start to produce something in you and, and faith will start to come. Things will start to come and the stuff that comes up in resistance to it starts to get exposed. And that's where you get to the inner healing. Now, deliverance. Talk about deliverance. This is how you know you need deliverance. You all need deliverance. <laughs> that's how you know I just told you. <laughs> So I am a very strong believer that everybody needs deliverance, and you should listen to me. <laughs> it's just that everybody is not open to deliverance. That's just what it comes down to. So there are reasons that I could pray for somebody, and there just wouldn't be any type of deliverance. It's because either they're not open to it or it's not time, whatever, whatever the reason is. 
but you will not change my mind on that. I believe everybody does. And so that's just the process of life because we are getting sanctified and we are going from glory to glory. And so from going from glory to glory, new grounds you take, there's usually an enemy within that ground. And so as you get and you attain more things in your life, you also have to remove where the resistance came from because it came from you and it came from the enemy. So you get both going on there. So you have different types of deliverance. You have, you know, influences. You have things coming from the outside. You have voices that come from the outside that taunt a person. Get them to make a choice and do something that open the door to a bondage. And then all of a sudden they live in a crippling mindset and in a crippling sin that is a bondage they cannot say no to. Maybe it came something passed down in your family line that your parent battled addiction. They battled addiction. Maybe it just came from a choice that you made and somebody that came into your life. It opened the door and then it turned into a bondage and then you're dealing with that. Now getting deliverance from some of the bigger things, it, t it, it takes more time. Meaning that there's more of a war. The giant is bigger in that land. And you have given that land over for a very long time and you have not lived in it. It's yours. Jesus purchased it for you. You just haven't, you just haven't even put your toe in it. <laughs> You're living in this land over there and that land's pretty crappy too. <laughs> so it's like, you know, you still, you just need to grab the bigger land. And as you're trying to get into the bigger land, there will be a big opposition that comes on it. Here's what I find from people who like major deliverance stuff in their lives. That when they come in contact with this ministry, they come in contact with me, that they're giant flips out. <laughs> so the stuff that they deal with gets worse and worse and worse as they're walking into it because the enemy sees the land that is yours. It's already done. It's already ours. In the spirit realm, Jesus has done it all. It's just in the human nature, in the human realm, in the flesh, in our lives, in sin and things that we do, we're walking in other things that are just not ours. God has other things for you, but to get to it, it's sometimes painful. You have to walk through these giants in order to get through it. So the giant will flare up in the person's, in the person's life, and things will start to feel worse. Stuff does get worse for like a time being, for a second, just because the enemy sees what is yours that you are stepping into. Now there's a choice. Human nature, you have a choice. You have a choice to run back. You have a choice to doubt God, to question God, or you have a choice to run through, and you get, and you push, and you push, and you push. Every time that I've entered into any stage in my life, stage in the ministry, stage in life, anything that I've walked through, breakthroughs, everything in hell goes crazy. Mm -hmm. Everything in hell to push me back. Don't take that land, Sarah. We don't want you to have that land. But they're all scared. The enemies within the land that is yours is all scared of you actually knowing what's yours. They sit there and they tell you this isn't yours. This is not for you. No, this is for her. This is for her because this is a ministry she does. It's not for you to ever walk in stuff like that. No, you're not one to pray for people and see them get set free. That's not for you either. This is who you are. You, this is how you're supposed to live. No, you're always going to battle depression. You're always going to battle these things. This is not. You'll never walk in anointings like this. You'll never. Because it's yours. They don't want you to walk in what's yours. The only thing they can do is put an old nature on you. It's your choice to throw it off. There's an old nature, it's called a reminder. The enemy will remind you of your past, he'll remind you of things, he'll tell you you're things that you are not. Self-hatred can, can be demon hatred. <laughs> you have true self-hatred and then you have the demonic that pins you up against yourself. So you have demonic spirits that will absolutely torment a person and tell them they are the absolute opposite of everything that you really are. But then you have you who accepted it, who embraced it. So then you teamed up against yourself. 
So you got to get the deliverance. You got to get the freedom. You got to get set free in that part of your mind, set free from the torment, set free from the voice. But then you have to identify when you allow it in. And that's where inner healing and deliverance, they work together. They work together. You don't just do one or the other. That's why I'm so big. When people want me to pray for them to get freedom and they get something and something shifts for them in that moment. That, and they never come back to anything that I do in, the, in, in my ministry. Well, hey, I'm a, I am offering education to this stuff. This is stuff you got to stay in. It is not just a one-time thing. If you are not, not that everybody's got to stay in my ministry. That's not what I mean. <laughs> I don't mean like mine. I mean in general. If you don't want to understand this stuff and understand why and get to the place, you have to chase it. You literally have to chase it. And you have to realize that just because you've got this here, you put your toe in this land and you've got it for a moment and all of a sudden a giant comes back and tries to whack you. You still got to remember your toes in the land, get your other foot in there. <laughs> keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going. And if people, we can't fully walk in that without the understanding of where inner healing, where is deliverance, where is it needed in those things. So the big things that people look at with, with deliverance, and again, I believe everybody, crippling thought life, toxic thoughts. You, when your mind spins, that's usually demonic, okay? So when you got something that comes and comes and comes and comes and like there's a trigger that hits you and your mind does not stop, like you can't get it. No matter what, you can confess scripture all day. You could like you combat it like the real way. Like I know every tool in the book to combat stuff on me. And when I know when it's a torment, it is demonic. But there's an element if there's something that I can't get free from that I am allowing and pairing with it and jumping on board with with the roller coaster. If you don't get the enemy removed, your mind will probably just keep going. It is very hard if you don't get the removal of that. Now you can war on the other side, meaning warring with the renewing of the mind and meditation on scripture. When it happens to you, when you get into those places, you take scripture, you sit in it, and you speak it over aloud and aloud and aloud. What are you doing? You're taking the word of God that is sharper than any two-edged sword, and you are slicing, you are cutting, you are cutting. Don't do it inside. Like, don't just meditate you need to speak it out loud the meditation it goes in you you think on it you think on it you think on it and you release it out loud verbally depression anxiety fear complacency unbelief there are spirits of unbelief that will keep somebody that have the inability of somebody in your family that carries that you pray against that insomnia crippling mindsets of fear of rejection spinning emotions racing thoughts anger when anger comes back on you all the time this is the stuff lack of clarity of mind this would be what I, I say it feels like saran wrap on your face, on your mind, on your eyes, and on your ears. Now, there are things that come across. An oppressive type of a spirit can put something on you, and it's like being on the outside, meaning like you will just feel a certain way. You'll feel this like a heaviness or like something, and some people don't have it, and they'll have it right before they come to something I do. There's some people that have it all the, all the time, meaning you're dealing with something that just like it's like, ugh. Like you just... You don't have clarity of mind. When I've had it come on or like there's an attack with this, what it feels like is that your mind and your mouth and something is not working properly. It's, uh, do people know what I mean by this? It's a fog feeling. It's just something that is not off. Now, I know that uh, there, there just is an attack that you can endure that can produce that, that can come on somebody very quickly. Uh, and it, and then there's people that live and walk in that all the time. And when they get prayed for and you get like a release of that, all of a sudden you just kind of feel like a clearness happened. It's like an oppressive thing that goes on. Um, 
Any thoughts of death or suicide is a spirit, 100%. I don't care who you are. I don't care if you're non-Christian. That is a demon. That is, that is the devil. We just need to say it for what it is. Like the enemy wants you dead. That's all. The enemy is the, is the, the one of death. God does not tell us ever thoughts of death or sadness, like hopelessness. That's not who he is. It is not who he is. Anything that is not who he is, what is the opposite of it? We have to just understand it's either you or it's the enemy. That's really where it comes down to. And then you have people who produce these things in you. So you have people in your life who actually speak stuff and speak into it. And so they're just encouraging and speaking into these things. And then, then they're making it worse. They're just making the war on you worse. They're making things. So you have to understand the attacks that come from people. When I look at spiritual warfare, I look at it in three ways. I look at yourself, the enemy, and other people. That's how I see it. I'm like, you, you deal with things that within yourself. You're dealing with the, the, the demonic, the lies, the death, sin. And then you're going to deal with people who, uh, who pair up with it too. So they're pairing up with things and they're being used against you. There's assignments on people placed on you. And you have been used to place on them. Meaning the enemy has used you against people. And the enemy uses people against you. People can get a thought in their head instantly. And act out of it. And think the thought came from them. It did not come from them. The introduction came from a demon. You had the choice to act on it. So it's both. So it's the person, but the person latches on to the thought. I mean, I had a direct assignment on me from the guy who abused me and came after me and stalked me. I mean, it was a direct assignment. He came into my life the, the year that I gave my life back to God. It was a specific assignment in the spirit realm to come after me, but using things in the natural and the human realm that I wouldn't see. When you have eyes to see through things, when you have eyes to see, it will change your relationships. You will act differently in them because you don't see it for what it is. You see it through the wisdom of God. So you pray into it through his spirit. He is a spirit of love. So anything that comes in resistance to that, you are not coming after the person. You're coming after the spirit. And you love the person in it, but you have understanding of what that love is. You walk in the love of God, the love of Christ. And sometimes the love of Christ doesn't mean you lay down and get stepped on. Sometimes love means walking away and cutting people out of your life, and that's okay. And that's sometimes what you have to do. And you are still walking in love because you're protecting them. You're protecting them. Maybe God has something else for them. It's understanding what love is. Love isn't always what we think it is. We have to look at how Jesus looked at love. How did he act with his disciples? How did he act with people? Jesus had the ability to not allow anything to touch him. Rejection didn't touch him. You know what touched him? Grief and sadness, anger. That stuff touched him. He had righteous feelings. He had feelings that came from the Spirit of God. But rejection never touched him. Yet he chose always to go to a place to be in intimacy with the Father, no matter what he was going through. God in human form chose to go be with God, to walk in human form, to give him the ability to be in human nature. He had to be spending time with his father. He was there fulfilling the will of the father. He said, it's not my will, your will be done. God, Jesus' human will did not want to do what he did. <laughs> he was in human nature. He had to be in human nature to say that we have a high priest that understands our temptations. Jesus Christ understands our temptation because he had to feel human nature. I always thought and looked at it as like, no, Jesus had the ability because he was fully God. No, he was fully man that was fully God. So he had fully human nature. He had to sacrifice his human nature to do what he did in order for the sacrifice to be a sacrifice that was going to be unattainable to us as humans. A sacrifice that was going to be able to do everything we could not do, which is to fulfill the law and fulfill the requirement and the judgment of the law. He did not just fulfill we have to understand this. He did not just fulfill the inability and the, or the ability not to sin. He fulfilled judgment and hell on your life. There's no way you could fulfill both. There's no way you could even fulfill one. You could never fulfill 
the inability to sin and holding on to the law, to the place that Jesus Christ did. And yet he carried that, and then he also fulfilled the judgment. So he took on no relationship with the Father when he was on the cross. It was severed. He took on all the sin of the world in that moment. If you guys understand the pain of what Jesus actually endured, it's so far beyond the abuse, so far beyond the nails. If you actually study more of what he actually endured on the cross when it comes to judgment. Now, there's different belief systems and doctrines on this. Some say he went to hell. Some say it was just a severing of relationship while he was on the cross. Either way, it was the same thing. There was a severing relationship to him on the cross when he endured every sin. Jesus Christ felt every sin. He carried all of it. He said, Father, why have you forsaken me? Because he's carrying and he's enduring everything. Yet Jesus in human form had the ability to do that. He made a choice. His will in human nature. He said, not my will. So Jesus had another will. If we understood the sacrifice of our human will to see these things happen in our lives, the choice to be with the Father when it doesn't make sense, Jesus crying tears of blood chose to go be away from his disciples when he's talking to the Father that's about to sacrifice him. Yet it says in Scripture that God showed his love to us through the sacrifice of Jesus. This is what's so interesting about this, you guys. If you understand Jesus knew his father loved him, yet knew his father was sacrificing him. How does that work? Why do we not have the ability to see the pain and to see sacrifice and to see choices that we get called to make? That in human nature, Jesus Christ said, I know you love me, and I only want to be with you, Father. Yet I know you're calling me to, to give up my life for these people that hate you. How, can he, how could Jesus comprehend that? I don't know if his human nature could comprehend that. That was against his human will. But his spirit was aligned with the spirit of God because he was God. That's how he walked. In the fullness where Jesus could be touched and power came out of him. The lamb that sacrificed everything was aligned with a truth that made his human nature align with it. His human nature aligned with it. His will aligned with it. Because he knew the will of the father that even though this father that says I love you, son, I need you to die because I love them too. <laughs> And yet we sit here and we go, we should have this life and this should be this way and this should be this way. And Jesus said, I give it all because I know him. What does it mean to know him to that level? What does it mean? Is it okay to get wrecked? Is it okay to have the opposite of anything you thought, everything you expected? Is it okay to go home and literally sacrifice your life for him? How do we live that way? I look like at Jesus and I, when I would like study these things of like him in the wilderness and his choice, like when John the Baptist died and he had to go away, he was grieving. He knew his friend, his head was, I mean, he was cut off, like how he was even murdered and killed. Jesus needed to go away. He had human pain. He had human pain. He had human grief. And he needed to go talk to the father, to the father to talk to him, realign him. 
Realign what's in him, who he is. He was God, but his human nature felt a certain way. There are elements of Jesus' life that are attainable to us. That's all I know. Because he was human. And he had human will. If he didn't, he would have never said, God, not my will, but your will be done. If he did not have human will, he would not have cried tears of blood. There was something in him that felt pain. There was something in him that didn't want to do it. Yet he had the choice when to release the spirit, his spirit. So he had a choice to, pay, to stay in pain and suffering. You think, he said that if I called my father a legion of angels, God didn't go against Jesus' will. That's what we don't understand. We think God forced his son to die? No, Jesus said he would give him and instantaneous angels would come and protect him. Jesus chose it. Jesus chose it. Peter came in and sliced the ear off of that, off of the man that came in, right? And, 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 and Jesus said, no, it's my time. So if Jesus is human will, he could have come against it. God would have instantly saved him. He was not going to steal the will of Jesus. He was giving him the ability. He still had the ability to do what he wanted to do. He still had that power on him. Yet Jesus is aligned his human will with the will of the Father because why? He knew who the Father was. He knew who he was. He had understanding. He saw through. He saw through wisdom and revelation, the ability to see through. He saw through everything he was being asked to do, everything he was being called to do, every pain he was about to walk in, knowing he's carrying the sin of every single person that is rejecting him in that moment. He's about to pick up and stay on the cross and wait until he says, I release my spirit. He releases. I believe that. I believe it was not in the timing of whatever the human body died. I believe the father and the son, they took it. They released him. It was done. It was finished. In that moment, Jesus did it. He released it. It's the choice to walk into the pain by allowing the human nature to align with the spirit of God, which comes from the spirit of wisdom and revelation. In that alignment, when pain comes in, it will be fully and completely exposed. Anything that comes in resistance to you having peace to walk through the pain, to come to the other end where you walk in the fullness of Christ. It's a process of sanctification. It's walking in intimacy. And it's allowing healing. It's allowing deliverance to get you to that place of fullness. And I believe that that is what God wants to do. That is, that is the element of the process of these things and the reason behind it, the purpose behind it. Why? We, why? Why? Why are you here? Why do you want to know this? What do you need? You know what I'm saying? People only do these things because they want something. They want more. They want more understanding. They want to gain this. There's power to live in. God, our lives can live in so much power. We can live in power all the time. Like I always looked at like I had to work so hard to do deliverance. I had to pray and prepare for so long for the person coming over that has these crazy demons on it. I had to do all this work. To God I was like, chill out. When you actually enjoy life and you actually rest, you actually see me and everything, you will walk in as an overflow. Every ministry you do will be easy. You don't need to spend 20 hours in preparation if you aren't getting anything. Do you enjoy it? If I don't enjoy it, I stop. If I'm enjoying what I'm getting, then I stay in it. Like making the things in your life, releasing power that comes from rest will shift your entire life, will shift how you live, will shift what you do. Things will all of a sudden become easier, but you have to expose the grime. 
You have to expose the things that come against it. You have to expose the thing in your life that is not releasing any snag on your foot for you to jump into the new territory that is yours. And that's what this, the purpose of this is, I guess. <laughs> I know I was going, going somewhere with this. I'm, I've been speaking an hour and a half. I'm going to close this down, take a break.